Wow. I'm so encouraged by the opportunity we have to confess with that song that he has no rival. And be reminded today that God is for you. Whatever you're in right now, God is for you. And the one who is for you, your Father in heaven, is never limited. There's nothing that's impossible for him. True? Nothing. But whatever's in front of you, whatever's against you, whatever's burdening you, whatever's worrying you, whatever is just stirring up fear in you, God has no rival, and He is your Father, and He loves you, and He is with you, and He is for you. So cling to that truth today, um, that we have the privilege of calling on the name of Jesus, the beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. Well, I'm so thrilled that you're with us this morning on the very beginning of a series on marriage. This is called um, Marriage Matters. Marriage Matters. Matters, And we're jumping in here for three weeks. And, and I want to bring some teaching to the idea that, that, listen, marriage is not an old-fashioned thing. Marriage isn't unnecessary in modern culture. Marriage isn't just this sort of bygone institution that has no value anymore. Marriage still matters. And we're going to talk about this in three parts. This morning, we're going to talk about ministry as a, as a way to look at marriage. Then we're going to look at romance as a lens through which to view marriage. And then we're going to look at witness. And, and I believe with all my heart that God is still bringing people to beautiful marriage relationships where there is mutual ministry going on, where there is deep joy in a, in a beautiful romance that they're experiencing. And that marriage is a witness to the world. That's where we're headed in these three weeks. The idea of ministry to each other, romance, and witness. Beginning of Marriage Matters, part one. I say that marriage is not old-fashioned because there is this thought among some young people, particularly, that marriage is sort of what our parents and grandparents did. So we can just shack up. We can just hang out. We can just leave it labelless. We can just sort of be together a little bit. And marriage isn't all that important. I've been married 28 years. I think we have a pic here uh, this morning of a couple of young kids who got married a while back, 28 years ago. The wonderful guy who performed our ceremony on the day we got married, he looked me in the eye and he said, um, it's your wedding day. And you are not on your wedding day a perfect husband. But you are ready to make the commitment. And it has been 28 years. And I want to stand in front of you today saying, listen, I don't come to teach today as Pastor Kyle and, and pretend to have a perfect marriage. I, I don't have a perfect marriage. There is no such thing as a perfect marriage. But I'm just like you. I struggle sometimes in marriage, even 28 years in. There are times when I don't do the right thing or say the right thing. There are times when I do the right thing for the wrong reason. And everything in between. We have good days in my house and we have rough days in my house. We have days when everything is just clicking and we look across the table from each other thinking, man, there should just be candlelight right now. It's just a beautiful moment like that. And then there are days where it's like at the end of the day, I think, I feel like we've just been missing each other all day. Like you, like you said this and you heard that and I said this and I heard that. And, and our marriage is a lot like your marriage. 
But marriage is not an old thing to be tossed aside. There is still purpose in it. God invented marriage, and it has divine purposes down deep in it. So young people, do not abandon the idea of a forever commitment. Those of you who are single and not yet married, aspire to the dream of a marriage where you could have people ministering to each other, enjoying romance with each other, and being this bright light of a witness to the world in your marriage relationship. Marriage still matters. It's important. It's not pointless. And it's not doomed. I want to say that very clearly today, that if you've watched maybe your parents go through a marriage that was, that was rugged, just because your parents struggled in their marriage does not mean you're going to struggle in your marriage. Marriage issues are not hereditary. Your marriage is not doomed just because your parents' marriage didn't last. But I can also say this, that it's not automatic that your marriage will be wonderful just because your parents' marriage was wonderful. Marriage is work. Can I get an amen, married people? Amen. It's not automatic. But if you're here today thinking my parents split or my parents' marriage fell apart, listen, that does not mean that your marriage someday is doomed to that. So dream with God about this someday relationship, young people, that you can have with someone who loves you deeply and you minister to each other, you're enjoying each other, and you are this bright witness to the world of what God can do through the lives of two flawed people. Marriage still matters. It is not doomed. It is not outdated. It has specific purposes. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. We're going to go way back to the beginning. Yep, the very first book, the very first few pages of the Bible. Genesis, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 15. Here's the beginning of how marriage came about. The Bible says in Genesis, chapter 2, verse 15, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you do eat from it, you will certainly die. Now let's, let's hang right there for a second on that slide. This is so critical to understand. The challenges that we face in marriage are not because we were brought up differently. The challenges we face in marriage are not because one of us is male and one of us is female. And I'll let you decide who's more complicated. The struggles and challenges we face in marriage is because we did not listen to God and we are sinful people. And we messed it all up. In the Garden of Eden, there was perfection. In the Garden of Eden, there was connection between Adam and Eve. We're going to meet Eve in a minute. There was connection and there was this no struggle in that relationship. But then sin entered into the world and defined God about here. The day we defied God and went another way, the world fractured and all of the systems in the world were corrupted. And that's why you sometimes hear the word of, as a fallen place, as we're a broken people. We're a fractured, sinful people. That's because sin entered into our hearts and it coats everything we do. Don't you just hate it? It 
becomes everything we do. Creeps into all of our friendships and the way we handle ourselves and the way we do school and the way we do work, the way we do sports. And it, it, it creeps into the way we consume entertainment and it creeps into our marriages. It all goes back to Genesis chapter 2. Let's keep rolling here in the next part of the, the passage. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man. Let's pull my mic down just a little bit if we could, Jonathan. Thank you. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Time out. Right where you're in here. Let me ask you, has the apple been eaten yet? No. So before the fall, before sin entered into the world, God observed that it is not good for us to be alone. Isn't that cool? It isn't that God said, oh, they ate the apple, they blew it, they messed up, they rebelled, now everything's falling apart, now everything's corrupted, the world is broken, the world is fallen, oh yeah, it's not good for them to be alone, we should create something called marriage. No, 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 no. This was all way before all of that. When God made the man, he observed, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for people to be alone. Now let me, let me clarify something here. It is not wrong for people to be alone. It's not wrong for people to be alone. If you're single, this is not a call that says, hey, look, it's Sunday afternoon by Wednesday. You need to get yourself married. It's not wrong to be alone. It is not best to be alone. We're going to discover that God has made us in such a way that we connect and fit with each other Physically, emotionally, relationally, and as we experience all of that, the glory of God shines bright. It's not good for people to be alone. This was the observation of God before sin entered into the world. So what did God do? God's invention, God's solution is what we're going to see next. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground... All the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. This is God having a little fun in the Garden of Eden. This is God pulling up a camp chair. Must be a pretty nice camp chair. Pulling up a camp chair in the Garden of Eden going, All right, what are you going to call that one? Giraffe. All right, okay, giraffe it is. Long necks, tall. Next. What are you going to call that one? I love the autonomy and the, and the authority and the participation that God is bringing us into for creation. Someday we'll preach through Genesis and talk more about all this. But, but I love the fact that God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring all these animals here. What do you get, what do you name that? Monkey. Why? I, it makes me laugh. And the word monkey sounds funny. Okay, monkey it is. What about that one? That's a duck-billed platypus. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Some of these names came along a little bit later, and they were named for scientists and discoveries that were made. But there in the beginning, just picture that in the garden. God formed all the animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called them, each living creature, that was his name. Next part of the verse. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. God did a little operation there on Adam. He closed up the place with flesh. Let's look at the next part. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. All the other things have been paraded. The giraffe and the monkey and the duckbill potamus. And they were not at all something that was going to be the companion to Adam. They were not at all the solution. It's not great for people to be alone. And Adam's like, this is like me. This is of me. This, we are the same in so many places. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. The first time we see that word, wife. There is a role attached here. Adam didn't call her wife. He called her woman. But her role is wife. That's the way the relationship fits. Physically, relationally, emotionally. Man and woman come together in those roles. And that's why when we get to week three, we're going to see this powerful opportunity to give a witness to the world as man and woman come together to the glory of God. But here as we start out, I want us to see the beginning of all of this that God observed it is not good for people to be alone. So he came up with a solution and the solution involves the title of wife. The solution is marriage. There's a leaving of a father and mother. When you get married, young people, you're going to separate out from under the, the family leadership of your family of origin, and you're going to create a new family. There's a leaving and a, and a setting up of a new family that happens. This is why that leaving and the setting up of a new family is so that the two of you can become husband and wife in all ways. Marriage. It's God's idea. It's a solution to God's observation. And it is to be a help relationship for each other. A help relationship for each other. For the rest of our time this morning, I want to walk us through four ways today that, that I want you to think about marriage as ministry. I want you to think about marriage as ministry. So here's the first one. Number one. When you got married, you pledged yourself to a sinful person. I want you to think about that for a minute. <laughs> That's just true. When you got married, you hitched your wagon to a sinful person. When you got married, you pledged yourself to another flawed sin struggler. Marriage is ministry. Your spouse is a tangle of desires and preferences and expectations, and all of it is hijacked by sin. Your spouse brings their expectations, their desires, their preferences, and then all of it is, is just 
seized upon by selfishness. That rebellion against God creeps into our marriage relationships. And I want to reframe for you this morning how you think about your marriage, how you think about that spouse in your household. And I know that there's all kinds of marriages represented in the room this morning. There are marriages that are just sort of riding high. These are the best days of your life. You, are, you don't want to be with anybody else except your spouse. You love everything about them. You love all their quirks. You, you are just riding high. And I know there's probably some marriages in the room that are almost at the edge of breaking apart. And there's everything in between. And I'm hopeful today that as we do some teaching on marriage as a ministry, that it, it might give you a fresh lens to look through in the way that you view your spouse. The reason I, I start with number one of when you got married, you pledged yourself to a sinful person is, is I want you to look at your spouse through the lens of this. When I look at that person who irritates me, I need to remember they're sinful. If I'm looking at this person and expecting them to meet the deepest needs of our, my soul, I'm just setting myself up for frustration because I need to remember they are sinful. Marriage is a ministry. On your wedding day, you and your spouse received Helpers for fallen life. On your wedding day, you and your spouse received helpers for fallen life. That means when I, when I put this ring on right here and, and I got married in that adorable picture we saw just a little while ago, 28 years ago. When I, when I put this ring on, on that day and I was standing there and she was looking all gorgeous in the white dress and I was in a rented tuxedo and I was, I was standing there and, and we had this moment and we said the words and we had the kiss and all that kind of stuff. In that moment, God gave me a ministry to a sinful person. I'm her helper through fallen life. But you know what? There's some really good news in that. Because while I was standing here and we said all the words and we had the kiss and there were the pretty flowers and there was cake. It was a really good cake afterwards. But when all that happened, that's really good news to me because Stacy put the ring on too. And she stepped into this relationship and she became my helper in this fallen life. It's ministry to each other. And if we could just begin to shift a little bit in this thought of marriage as ministry, then you can begin to look at them differently in terms of, of how they deal with being a sinful person. Let me give you some things to think about there. Sometimes sin blinds your spouse. Sometimes your spouse can't see what they need to see, can't see the way you see it, can't see even how to go forward or what to do because they're blinded by sin in their life. And the call this morning is that you would have a viewpoint of ministry. So rather than being angry at my spouse in that moment, I would look at them differently and I would go, man, gosh, I'm going to be frustrated with sin in their life. More than I'm frustrated with her. 
Sometimes sin scars your spouse. Oh, wait a minute. My spouse is the way they are because of what happened to them when they were 11. Or or my spouse is the way they are in our beautiful, wonderful second marriage because of what happened to them in their first marriage. I need to look through a lens at how sin is active in my spouse's life. And I need to remember that when I got married, I pledged myself to a sinful person. See, sometimes sin entangles your spouse. You may be married to a person who's absolutely coiled up in sin constricted like an anaconda had it wrapped up. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a way they view themselves. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something else. But sometimes our spouse gets entangled in sin and we need to remember that they're struggling just like we're struggling. grip of sin on your own life. You know it well, right? You know it well. How, how firm of a grip can, sin can get on your life. Have you stopped recently to think about what it must be like for your spouse who's trying to love you unconditionally, who's trying to bring unselfishness into the marriage, and they've got their own wrestling match with the anaconda of sin? Marriage is a ministry because you've pledged yourself to a sinful person. So then how do we take some steps in ministry? The second thing I want you to hear this morning is is that your first step of ministry is compassion. Your first step of ministry is compassion. That's when you begin to think in your own heart and mind, it must be difficult to be them. Can you imagine how just the threat con level would dial down a little bit if you could suddenly look at your spouse and think about all that they're wrestling with, thinking about the fact that they're fallen and sinful and struggling and they don't always do things right. If you could look at them and say, it must be really difficult to be them. With all of those urges, with all of that temptation, with all of the emotions, with all of the hormones, with all of the fears, with all of the baggage, with all of the scars, with all of the inadequacy fears, with all of the insecurities, it must be really difficult to be them. And all of a sudden, you're not as ticked off by your spouse as you're looking at them a little differently and you go, oh, I'm thinking about the way your dad was in your home. Hmm. All the times I've been around your dad and your mom, I've never seen affection. Hmm. It must be really difficult for you 
to climb past that in our marriage. If you can turn it to compassion, and then you're both bringing compassion as your first step of ministry, it must be hard to be them. must be so difficult to deal with what happened to them. If you can have compassion, it will deepen and stir up your love for each other in fresh ways. I know how sinful I am. They're fighting battles too. First step is compassion. So number three, here's your, here's your next step. The second step of ministry is to show grace and patience. Anybody else struggle with patience? Anybody else? Anybody? I'm the only one. Sorry. No, I'm embarrassed. Not really. It's just true. I struggle with patience. We need to show grace and patience. That's our next step. After we begin to view them differently and understand, wow, it must be tough for them. It must be difficult for them. Having gone through what they've gone through, having witnessed what they witnessed in their home, seeing from the marriage that they came from, seeing what all that they've experienced, seeing the way they were treated by their first spouse, seeing the way that they just dealt with this, that, and the other, all of those things, oh, it must be difficult for them. And that softens the heart after compassion is we show them grace and patience. Let me remind you what grace is. Grace is undeserved kindness. So hold on a second. Undeserved kindness in marriage. Ouch. I'll show them kindness in their undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. That's what grace is. And we show that to each other as a form of ministry. It's really hard to be them. It's hard to carry what they're carrying. It's hard to climb past what they grew up with. And so I want to show them grace. I want to show them undeserved kindness and patience. Because let's face it, all of us are works in progress. True? And whether you've been married two years, 28 years, or 52 years, you're still figuring it out. And you still need to show each other patience. Your spouse will never become perfect. Did I just burst somebody's bubble? Your spouse will never become perfect in your lifetime. So show them grace and patience, undeserved kindness. And patience. Be careful, my friends, of resentment because you don't feel ministered to by your spouse. All right, Pastor Kyle, I'm all on board with this looking at things differently, and we've all sinned, and we're all fallen, we're all corrupted, we're all struggling with sin, and I realize we pledged ourselves to sinful people, so this is my ministry. On my wedding day, I received a ministry, and her name is Stacy, and that's my marriage ministry. That's my life, is to minister to her in her own sin struggles as she deals with fallen life. But when is it my turn to get ministered to? We have to be on our guard. 
Because some of us in our more honest moments, we don't want to be ministered to, we want to be catered to. Ministry is when you get some assistance for your need. There's a homeless ministry, we give them assistance for what they need. There's a food pantry ministry, we give them assistance for, for what they need. There's a temporary housing ministry, we give them assistance for what they need. Marriage is a ministry, we give them assistance in what they need. That's a long way from being catered to. As you go to give grace and patience, be careful that resentment doesn't rise up where you're keeping score. Oh, please don't keep score. I'm ministering to them. When am I going to see some return? Or I was really thoughtful and did this for them and I did that for them. When am I going to get something back? Compassion, grace, and patience. Undeserved kindness that doesn't keep score. And the last one under this one here, under this idea of grace and patience, let me just be clear about we all need to be careful of withholding what we're not receiving. Let's be careful that we don't withhold what we're not receiving. Well, if I'm not going to get ministry back from them, I'm certainly not going to give it. I'm going to hold it back. If I'm not getting it from them, I'm just going to leave them out in the cold. That doesn't honor God. And that doesn't foster this beautiful ministry to each other. As we're talking about all this this morning, I hope that your mindset about marriage changes just a little bit. And your viewpoint of your spouse changes just a little bit. That when you put those wedding rings on, God was calling you out to suit up. You're in a ministry relationship now. <laughs> the person you, you've just hitched yourself to, they're not always going to say the right thing because they're flawed. So you need to minister to them. That person you just got married to, they are going to struggle just like you struggle. You need to minister to them. Care for them. Be patient with them. Overflowing with compassion for them. Number four, the last step of ministry is prayer. The last step of ministry here with you and your spouse is prayer. If you have a spouse with whom you're frustrated, if you have a spouse that, that you feel like has a, a boatload of room to grow, then, then you need to make sure you are praying for them. Not against them and about them, but for them. Pray for them. Because the thing that's keeping them from loving you the way they need to love you is not likely just their own upbringing or the, the way that they've kind of been taught about marriage. It's likely sin. Selfishness. Or 40 other things. What do we pray? We pray thankfulness. I hope that you're being thankful to God for your spouse. Anybody else thankful this morning? I'm so thankful for this woman who's put up with me for 28 years. 
in all my ups and downs. I'm not a, I'm not a terrible guy. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a monster. I'm a pretty decent husband, I think. But I have my good days and my bad days. And she is there. I'm so thankful. Let's make sure that we are praying thankfulness to God for our spouse. That they are there to show you unconditional love on your worst days. That they are there to minister to you when you're in the grip of sin, when you're scarred by sin from your past or something else, when you're blinded by sin. Second thing we pray is willingness. Pray thankfulness, but we secondly pray willingness. God, however you need me to adjust in this marriage, I'm willing. I want to fully minister to them. I want to faithfully minister to them. I want to capably minister to them. I'm willing. Sometimes we get off into our prayer world about our spouse, and it's just a list of all the things we wish were different about them. Let's be in this ministry of marriage where we present ourselves to God and say, God, whatever you need to do through me and in me for them, I'm up for it. I'm just presenting myself to you. We pray thankfulness, we pray willingness, and then we pray more compassion. That's the third and final thing we pray is compassion. Oh God, it must be so hard to be them. So Lord, please touch their hearts. Please heal up that wound. God, please cause them to feel significant and loved and worthy of something. Cause them, cause them, Lord, to see themselves the way you see them. Cause them, Lord, to see themselves the way I see them. Cause them, Lord, to, 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 to lose the fears. God, do battle in their life that all those giants that are, that are intimidating them and making them fearful, God, just go away with it. Lord, Conquer the shadow of their father that looms large over their life where they feel like a failure, where they feel inadequate, where they feel like they'll never mash up, measure up, God. I pray that you would just conquer that. Pray compassionately. Oh God, it must be so difficult for them having gone through what they've gone through, having been treated by their first spouse the way they were treated, having, having endured what they endured when they were 11, having gone through what they've gone through. God, it must be so hard for them, Lord, minister to their soul. Help them, Lord. I believe that the distance from unhealthy to healthy marriage for a lot of us is in the prayers that move from fix them, Lord, to help them, Lord. Fix them, Lord, is not full of compassion. Help them, Lord. Says, Lord, I know what it is to struggle with sin, so please help them in their struggle. Everything that you experience in marriage, everything that's fulfilling, everything that's meaningful and beautiful and wonderful, everything that is just touching down deep is God's kindness to you. 
And he gave you somebody to minister to you till death do you part. You remember those words in the vows? Till death do you part? We're in this to the end. That commitment. There's some other words in the marriage vows. I don't know if you thought about these lately. For better or for worse. I'm pretty sure we should start changing the vows for better and for worse. Because there's going to be some worse. True? It's not if it's better or if it's worse. There'll be some days that are worse. But God has given us to minister to each other. So those of you who are married today, my challenge to you as a shepherd in the kingdom of God is that you would go from this place with the thought of how can I minister to my sinful spouse? How can I make their struggle a little bit easier? How can I serve them and love them? How can I pray for them? How can I look at them and have compassion upon them? And I want to think, how can I minister to them? How can I assist them in their need? And when your spouse does the same back for you, great things happen. You begin to understand each other begin to meet each other. And when grace and compassion are the foundations of your marriage relationship, then the sparks don't fly as often. Everything that we enjoy in marriage, this that we've received from God, this gift from God that we've received, all of that, all of that we've received only because of his kindness expressed to us through Jesus. Here at People of Hope Church, we have this beautiful image of a cross over here because it reminds us that God made a way for rebellious people to have a relationship with him. And he made that way through Jesus. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for sin, your sin and my sin. Jesus died he took upon himself the guilt that you and I deserved. And when it had been paid in full, he was buried. Three days later, God raised him from the dead in power and in glory. Conquering sin forever. And God has then extended an offer to us that if we would believe in Jesus and follow him as his disciples... And if we believe in Jesus and follow him as his disciples, then we can have all of our sins forgiven and we can have a relationship with God. Even though we were enemies of God, we can have a relationship with God both now and for all eternity. Jesus is the ultimate expression of love and grace, undeserved kindness to the world. Friends, those of us who know Jesus, our undeserved kindness, our marriages ought to be the most kind in the world as we reflect Jesus to our spouse, as we show them patience, as we look at them in their struggle, and we say, man, I got a ministry. I didn't want a ministry. 
I wanted someone to have candlelight dinners with. I wanted somebody to, to, to make out with. I wanted somebody to take trips with. I wanted somebody to have kids with. I wanted somebody to make a home with. I didn't want a ministry. Well, that's what you got. Welcome to growing up world. If you're going to put the rings on, it's not all about making out at candlelight dinners. You are pledging yourself to a sinful person. But when those two people bring grace, you dilute and diffuse the power of sin in your marriage. It's a ministry. Let's pray. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to just lead us to pray over a few things this morning. If you're here today and you're single and, and you're, you'd like to be married, I just want all of us today to stand with you kind of in our hearts and just pray for you this morning. And I just want a voice of prayer for those who are longing for that mutual ministry marriage. Lord, pray for you today. God, I'm asking you right now, that in your time and in your wisdom and your kindness that you would raise up a spouse for those who are longing. For those who want so much to be loved unconditionally. To have a best friend to laugh with. To be someone to experience that completing, helping good to not be alone relationship. Lord, help them. Lead them to the right person. And while they wait, Lord, give them patience and give them vision. May today be a day when they have vision that someday I'm going to find the person that's right for me and I'm going to get married to them and they're going to be flawed. I'm going to know that at the beginning, but I'm going to love them well. And they're going to love me well. Now I want to pray for marriages this morning. Those who are, who are married. Before I voice a prayer, would you just say a prayer for your marriage right now? There's no perfect marriage. Every marriage has room to grow. Would you begin by being thankful? Would you thank God for your spouse right where you sit? Just thank God. He brought someone for your flawed life. And now would you present yourself to God? Would you just tell him you're willing? Just God, I'm willing to adjust whatever needs to be adjusted. God, I'm, I'm all in. I don't want to keep score. God, I don't want to just say they're the one who has to change everything. I, I want to own. I need to do some things differently too, God. So I'm just telling you, I'm bringing you my life. I'm laying it before you. And then would you pray with compassion for your spouse and their struggles? some of that thought of, God, it must be so hard to be them. It must be so hard to carry what they carry. Help my spouse, Lord. 
Help their hurting heart. Help their insecure heart. Help their angry heart, Lord. Lord, trade their bitterness for joy. Pray for your spouse. Father of our hearts, I call out to you today with gratitude that you invented this thing called marriage. Thank you, Father, that you have given us helpmates in this struggle. Lord, I want to pray that you would strengthen the marriages of people of Hope Church, Lord, that, that you would make this place a strong foundation of husbands and wives enjoying each other, showing grace to each other. I pray for each husband and wife that's here today, God, that, that on this day, this very day, that you would encourage them, that you would speak to their heart, that you would give them vision and specific ideas for ways to step toward their spouse. I pray for grace to completely wash over the frustration of what happened before. I pray for full forgiveness for clean starts, for patience and joy and laughter and fun. Marriages, Lord, that are struggling, I pray you would rebuild them. By your power, oh God, marriages that are about to break, Lord, I pray you'd restore them. And Lord, those that are, are healthy and good, Lord, I pray that you would take them to a level of joy they never thought possible. We're calling out to you today. So Lord, we bring these prayers this morning for the single and for those who are married. And we ask you to answer our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as a way of responding this morning, would you stand? We're going to sing to the Lord together today. The lyrics of this song may be something that you just want to jump in on and sing to the Father. Just look, I'm not going to build my life on another person. I'm going to build my life on who you say I am, God, and your love and your kind of love for my spouse. So let's lift this up to the Lord.